Red. Hi. Hey. January 24th. 2012. <laughs> Oh, Jim, Cl- Jim Clifford did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I got to meet this Jim Clifford guy. Yeah, you do. I, yeah, you do. amazing that you haven't. I know. All right, so <clears throat> Pablo, Christian, and Dave podcast. Today, we've got topics, kind of, I guess. Yeah. We yeah. Sort of that's really going to push this thing over the edge. I don't know. <laughs> I, can we even stay on topic? I yeah. suspect we will not be <laughs> able to stay on topic. Well, so the topic, it, it feels to me like the thing that we were talking about most during our breakfast and topic picking period was uh, fun dad, ah. male expectations. Uh, um, yeah, why don't you elaborate on that a little bit, Kristen? Uh, oh, I think before we get started, <laughs> Wait, I want to point out that two of us are not dads and well, one of us is. But you are a proxy. You are a dad-ish I person. I don't know what I, I am. I don't think so. You're like a stepdad, brother. No, I don't know that yeah, that's kind of accurate. I mean, you're sorry. Fun dad. Yeah, but yeah, you guys you're still you are fun, fun dad. Well, I'm not even a dad. No, you are. N- you're a dad in denial, which makes you part of no. many dads. Well, here, here we go. We've got three de- degrees yes. of parenthood. Yeah. Ooh. So we've got male of uh, parent of a of a boy, or we got a dad, we got a mom, and we got a. Something, Something. A exactly. A dude who's dating a mom. Yeah, a dude who's dating a mom. And who's been in that boy's life for four years? Yeah, a long time. So from his perspective, would he think of you as a I think part of the unit oh, of totally, child care? As Stephanie often says, she suspects that um, Oliver thinks that I was brought in for him. I was that, <laughs> that mom went out oh. and found him a guy. That's for awesome. him, like a buddy <laughs> for him. And we do have that. It's a little like a Calvin and Hobbes relationship. Are you Calvin way. or are you Hobbes? I would be Hobbes. Okay. Yeah, it's a little like that. And, uh, you know, Pat, his dad, um, is a wholly present figure in his life. And I think probably he spends a little more time with Pat than with uh, Stephanie. Um because they're 50-50, right? Well, they're 50-50, but then they're over at each other's houses right. all the time. They have a very close relationship. And then Pat picks up Oliver at school um, most days. So um, I think he spends probably a little bit more time with Pat. So you're the transgressive, delightful, rule-breaking, fun uncle? No, again, I, I don't, I'm not satisfied. And Stephanie and I have talked about this. I, I asked Oliver once, and he, he derisively goes, I tell everyone you're the boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is a- he goes, you're just a boyfriend. Didn't he ask you about that at one point? 
No, that was another conversation where he suspected Stephanie was seeing someone else. He was worried. He was worried she had another boyfriend. Oh, I didn't hear about <laughs> wow. that. Oh, yeah. Tell us more about it. That's exciting. Well, he said, we were, so first of all, this was a project. Did that make, did that make your heart jump a little no, bit when he revealed all. that made, to you? It, I think I laughed. my mom has another boyfriend. <laughs> no, because every now and then, Stephanie and I, and, and this is where I think the genesis of this is, Stephanie and I will joke about our other girlfriends or boyfriends. Like, um, I'll call her up and I'll say, hey, is Stephanie Schroeder there? Um, the, I'm, um, I'm Pablo Jones. I'll be your boyfriend for today or whatever. <laughs> you know, or she'll say, yeah, that must be my other boyfriend. Or I'll forget something and she'll be like, well, that was probably your other girlfriend. So we make just dumb little jokes like that a lot. Just to mess with Oliver. No, no, we, we're not. <laughs> Oliver isn't the intended target of those jokes. But he's listening. But he's listening. Exactly. So, uh, he's listening. So we're doing a Lego project, just me and, and the boy in the attic. And he goes... Does Mama have another boyfriend? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, honey, your mom doesn't have another boyfriend. And then I immediately realized he must be thinking about this joke that we make. And I said, I said, first of all, um, your mom and I are committed to each other, and we're not. I know that she doesn't have another boyfriend, and I don't have another girlfriend. I said, second of all. Uh, she doesn't have any time to have, you know, another boyfriend. She just wouldn't, you know. And then thirdly, I said, and, and she's either with me or with you all the time, and, and you would know. And then he says, and then he kind of got into the fantasy. of was like, what if she had another boyfriend, like a secret boyfriend? And I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you because then you'd break up with her. Oh, you know, like he's worried sweet. about the... He's nine. He's nine, oh. yeah. And I said... <laughs> I can't remember what I said, but I said, you, you don't have to worry about that. I said, you know, we're not breaking up. We're not going anywhere. That is so sweet. Yeah, it was really sweet. The perspective of a kid, yeah. you know, just so beautiful. I saw um, an amazing movie that I'm just going to encourage you to go to YouTube and see, and it's Meatballs called... Meatballs too. No, but that's good. Um, <laughs> it's called Bunny New Girl. Oh. Just... Okay. Can you send us a link? Please? I will send you a Writing link. It's so down. dear, so dear. But just the fact that Oliver is listening. Bunny comma new girl? Nope, just bunny new girl, all one word. Bunny new girl? Yep, bunny, bunny new, new girl. girl on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, he's listening to a lot. I always forget how young he is. And, you know, the to sort of segue into the fun dad thing, Pat and I have a lot of um, sort of similar cultural affiliations. So we like a lot of the same movies. We like a lot of the same things. Pat's now playing Fortnite with Oliver. I'm not a Fortnite guy myself, but I play video games. And Pat's the one that bought him the PS4. But then, you know, I have a PS4. What are your requirements? Spaceships? Time travel? Robots. Robots. Or superheroes. It. Oh, yeah. But th that's in movies. But, yeah. you know, Pat What's is, your game? What's that? What's your game? Uh, the game that I play? Well, right now I'm playing um, Breath of the Wild Zelda on the Switch. What's but, the switch? That's poetry. Breath oh, of the Wild Jesus Zelda Christ. on the switch. <laughs> uh, you're going to buy one because uh, they're really cool. Goodbye uh, time. It's, uh, <laughs> this podcast will be retiring it's early. The latest so Nintendo the boys can console. Go play did, did you ever play the Wii? Or? Okay, it's called Nintendo Switch. All right, yeah, Nintendo Switch. And the great thing about the Switch is um, you can play it handheld. You can... Oh, remove yeah, the controllers and have the little screen, <laughs> and then you can also pick up, pick up, Fable. and then um, you can also just plug it into your TV. It's a great little console. Huh. Um, okay. Anyway, does it hurt your thumbs to play? I just always wonder about this. No, I mean I don't play that much, you know. Okay. But uh, 
Anyway, the point is, is that Pat usually introduces him to all of the things that um, I might want to introduce him to that I wouldn't know if, it, if Stephanie or Pat were cool with it. Well, Pat, I know, would be cool with it. So, like, he's seen all these movies from my and Pat's youth that Stephanie probably wouldn't show him, you know, like, and then he watched, you know, like he's seen John Wick, you know, and Isn't, I would totally show yeah. him John Wick, except I don't feel like it's my place. But since Pat has already done it, then the floodgates are open and I'm, I could show him John Wick 2 or John Wick 3. I feel covered. Now on the theme of fun, Dad, I've noticed, and I wonder if you guys agree with this, that a lot of times the mom-dad um, dynamic is that the dads push the edges and the moms are no I hate to just walk myself right into gender stereotypes so shoot me now well, but seriously it does seem as if the moms hold down the safety and have kind of a stronger sense of boundaries and a lot of times the dads are, are pushing it and it's a balance yeah well, well what, sort of the way that the discussion went or started out, and it, it was kind of raging before we started recording. Yeah. Now, we, and it feels to me like we're being pretty tame about Lesson it. Yeah, because we're all ashamed. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> now, I know. Now I have to go back yeah, to watch therapy. Watch your words, Frank. I know. <laughs> but, cock, cock, cock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, but, well, one of the things I was, uh, I was saying is that um, I was thinking about the term letting yourself go. Right. Um, which... You know, I was thinking, I'm single right now, and as a single man, I can do whatever I want. And one of the things I'm doing is I'm, I'm working out all the time, and I'm dancing and doing and playing hockey and just and kind of cultivating all my own myself. Yeah. I'm being selfish, um, which when you get into a relationship, you tend to let yourself go. And that is thought of as a derisive term, but in some ways it's a... It's a good thing because you let yourself go so that you can focus on the relationship or, or you put more of your focus on us than me. And, um, and that's what happens, too, when you become a parent. You tend to let yourself go. You let yourself go so, because the kid is the central focus. Yeah. Um, or, or ideally, that's the way it should be with dads, I yeah, think. Yeah, we hope. And mo with mothers. And, and it tends to be... The mother who lets herself go, and and the and the dad, get, get, or or well, and I'm I'm just gonna courageously be uh, <laughs> yeah, go go uh, go stereotypical <laughs> about this, but but we're talking about um, yeah. uh, a person that I don't think we should name that that didn't let him so well he focused or, or Frable was alleging that this guy. Um, we, concentrated okay. more on his on his art than on his yeah. child. What I'm saying oh, yeah. is that traditionally, what I've seen and what what has happened to play out in several dynamics with different couples who have children. Of course, now I'm older than the hills, and so I'm thinking about this as I'm child free because my kid is beautiful. Well, you're not really child launched. free. Well, you know what we've had. We, she's launched. I'm sure, not, sure, fair I, enough. But I, I'm just I saying. I will always be tinkering, and yeah. I'll always be sending money, probably. But yes, you're <laughs> but not she's, free. She is 
I don't want to be free. I don't want to be free. She's the best. I just adore her. But she's at college and she's doing great. How old is she now? She'll be 20 in three weeks. Wow. 20. But what I've seen is that as soon as the children come, the mother is expected and delivers on putting that kid first. And a lot of times, culturally, um, it's allowed for the man to not rise to that occasion. Yeah, and, well, the, and the woman will do it no matter what. Oh, if she's yeah. unhealthy, if yeah, she's, doesn't got, matter. Got, I think if she's yeah. unemployed, yep, whatever, she'll, right. she'll go to, she will, she will lift a car that's off the... That's right. She seat. will take that kid to work. She will create a new business. She'll she will do make whatever it, it yeah. takes to make that kid's right. life So it, it winds up it that be. the woman becomes the responsible that's one right. and the man and the guy that's right. becomes Bare, fun dad. Or be, or barely pays <laughs> child support. You guys are both wrong. <laughs> no. And I'm going to tell you why you're both wrong. Okay. Because you've been a parent so long. Yeah. This is, <laughs> I, I have great, great authority in this matter. <laughs> I think that, that it's, it's important to take a step back and look more broadly at this particular issue because dads in the 50s were different than dads are today as our moms, different social expectations. Um, although some things have remained the same, I think that uh, expectations on parents and children and the family unit has changed dramatically uh, even in the time that I've been alive. And I think that that's an important thing to note. I think that uh, the fathers I've seen today are more involved in their kids' lives than ever before. And I'm not <coughs> apologizing. I'm not saying that as an apologist for the things you're saying, which I think are also true. But I, just to they're say... They're stereotypes. I'm yeah, not, they're stereotypes. I mean, I'm not saying that. But if you take a step back, you see that there's their parenthood and the expectations on it have changed and are changing. It's an ever-evolving thing. So that's the first point, which I think is an important thing to consider. The second thing is that and, and I can only speak to what I know of my father from when I was a kid. The pressure on him to earn money and, quote, support, unquote, um, was profound. And he would not have been a person were he not to have met, in his own definition, were he not to have met those expectations. So how he earned money and who he was because he earned the money that way, that was a huge part of who he was and he could not escape that social expectation and that pressure. So in addition to all the things that you're saying, Frabel, which are true in that he prioritized certain things um, and he was able to be certain things and so on and so forth, um, and he had a whole host of privileges that my mother did not have, he was also greatly shaped by the expectations that were on him, which my mom was not subject to in the same way. Um, so I think that that plays a huge part in how these things are shaped. Yeah, and that's, I think that's still the case to a large extent. You know, the, the, the pressure between, or the, the, the line between being domesticated and, and wild or whatever, you know, the, the thing that initially attracts you to your partner or as a man to to your partner is the you know the, the wild uh individual the the passions of the of the man and the of the flesh well also just that this guy's got stuff going on you right know? absolutely he's got plans he's got uh, uh yeah he's 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 viable got, and, and his and his got, value well, is and he's got a life is and he's assigned got, that way 
yeah, right, right. And he and yeah, he's he's got dreams. I mean, I, it's, it's I mean, big the dream. great news yeah. is that these expectations are changing, and yes. men are being men are being able to become more dimensional human beings. Women are, you know, being able to work in a way that frees them of some of the expectations of. Uh, their gender, our gender, and this is great. This is all great news. Um, I, but but when it comes down to the survival of the infant who came out of the body, <laughs> we're still we're still struggling to meet those challenges as a culture because we don't prioritize children in our culture. We don't. We, I mean, we don't even have universal daycare. So when it comes down to it, it's, it's an economic problem of survival because, you know, somebody's got to take care of those kids. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, well, what, you isn't were, that what the internet is for? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and TV. Nintendo. Come yes. on. <laughs> anyway. But, Frable, you were, you were angry a little bit maybe about uh, about the financial side of things about how how there are a lot of men maybe she's in your circle an, of friends she's just an angry have, you know <laughs> short-haired uh, lesbian okay um, <laughs> it's, okay boys people who had abdicated their <laughs> friends, responsibility i love you so much i love you so much there you know you you live in an artsy fartsy world and and uh, I, and you I think I you know some men who have a couple different worlds who have yes yes yes, yes. I, I know I'm, scientists too let's just say that <laughs> You know some men who have abdicated their financial responsibilities <laughs> for their kids. I think we all do, yeah. don't yeah. we? And we all do. We all know men too. To your point, Pablo, yeah. who have had to sacrifice their dimensionality to fulfill a cultural expectation yeah. of yeah. a financial engine. Yes. Now these very, are class. That was a nice sentence. Thank man. you was. very much. But oh, wow. you know, the, the, we, this this is a conversation about class. Yes. About economics. Yes. Cultural uh, evolution. Cultural evolution. All those things. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the straight line of a, the arc of a person's life is usually defined by what a man's life looks like. Because when we think about career trajectory and how things are uh, built in terms of, well, now we're in the gig economy, so we're all screwed, but <laughs> in terms of how a person's career goes forward, a woman's career is interrupted by children, whereas, um, you know, a man's career is not necessarily, in the old days, interrupted. Um, I mean, we, it's true that we have a lot of work to do as a society yeah. to get to a point where um, we have more equality. Where we really more, have choices, and some, yeah, and yeah. and somebody can be a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. First of all, I feel, uh, for the record, I should state, um, you're not a lesbian, nor do you have short hair. This is all true. <laughs> I'm incredibly um, good looking. <laughs> you are, and Just I'm, I, um, and I've got. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> huge, huge knockers. Yeah, huge knockers. So I, oh. uh, you know, I, I play chess. I, I host a chess night. Chest? Yeah, chess. Chest. You play and chess. I play. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and I did actually say chest, but yes, I meant chess. It's, yeah. a, it's a common joke that the fellas make up for a game of chess. Anyway, um, a lot of guys at 
chess night. Although we have had uh, a bunch of gals over the years, uh, mostly guys, and and mostly guys who um, are single. Let's be frank, and, and, and uh, young, and young, they're yeah, puppies, and young, and. Um, uh, there was a, super per- geeky. a particular and branch wonderful. of yeah, the chess nice. guys who were, uh, this was a while ago, who were railing against feminists, which I thought was so funny because the truth is, if you look at what they say they actually want in a woman, you're describing a feminist, you know what I mean? But they had this very funny idea of what uh, feminism meant. Oh. And um, all that to say, it reminds me a little of this uh conversation in that the we may be speaking or Frabel you may be uh, speaking from this perspective you have which is that of a woman but what we're really talking about is for the benefit of everybody men would benefit women would benefit kids would benefit and we're moving into a post-gender world so let's just screw the binary and toss that out yeah I don't believe I wish that were true I don't believe it but I wish it were true huh <laughs> yeah, it's the, like a post-racial a world. If you're out there and you're an FTM about to give birth, come on and talk about your FTM. experience. Female right. transitioning to male. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the feminism. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you schooled boy, boy. those young men. There's about no way. What a, There's no way. No, I just laughed and I said, girl. "Guys, you would." He said, give it 20 years and then you'll, you'll, you'll see. You know, because the funny thing is, is they're very upset over all of the norms that they were experiencing. It was like, and these were kind of traditional guys. It was like, I got to take this gal on a date and I'm supposed to buy her dinner. And I, was, I mean, it sounded like the 1950s. It was so funny. And um, where yeah. are they getting this? Well, they, the, some is of these guys were immigrant culture, immigrant families. Very close to that, actually. Oy, yeah. Oy, oy. Um, some of them are very close to it. I love these guys. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, it was a small group of them as well. Not this is not representative of the of most of the. The guys. Most of the guys are well, actually very progressive. Well, save them the 20 years and just tell them that women are people. Well, this was my point <laughs> that I go. was trying to say what you actually <laughs> yeah. want. What you actually want is an independent thinking person who can meet you as a human being. And that will solve all of your complaints about women. <laughs> but uh, I think it was, I mean, it was just so, there was no way that was going to happen. They weren't going to, they weren't going to hear it. They weren't going to. You know, they weren't going to believe that that meant better sex, better times, better everything. They just weren't going to believe it. Intimacy and sex go together? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. If you do these it hard are, enough, you know, yeah. The, these topics are so, By the so way, gigantic. I don't even know where to. <laughs> <laughs> you so, are the most dad of dads. So um, I'm, I'm thinking right now about uh, about Joyce. When, when jo- my, Joyce is my ex-wife. Um, who I met when I was 25 years old and um, we were together for about 18 years. And when we met, she was <clears throat> what she now refers to as a baby feminist. Oh, interesting. Because um, she was a, a women's studies major and, um, and she was pissed off. You know, she was angry about it. Her eyes had just been opened to the inequities. Between. Justifiable anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and what happened, I think, looking back on that time, was that um, her baby feminism was 
um, and this is her term. Well, I don't think she made it up, but uh, um, everything was kind of filtered through feminism. Through the, it was kind of like a um, uh, like a Marxist point of view. Like a, mm-hmm. a person who's a Marxist looks at everything as a Marxist, right. maybe, sure. uh, or um, and a person who is new to feminism filters everything through through right. the feminist filter, right. and. Uh, I guess that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Ooh, you, you look like, but what, what's uh, on your mind? The babe? shame veil. Oh, yes, I know. Well, that. well the off ramp to honesty. Well, I, in, in fact, I remember the, one of the conversations we were having was when we were married, and we were living right up the street, just a couple blocks from here. Um, and, uh, and she said, Isn't it interesting how, you know, like my baby feminist self would have been so pissed off at my present self? Because at that time, I was, we had such a traditional uh, right. uh, marriage. She was the stay-at-home mom. Mm. Right. I was the working, the breadwinner going out to, right. to the office Super every day. Hot. And, yeah, and we had <laughs> this Did big she meet you at the door with the negligee yeah. and a hot dish? Yes, yes. And all day long, she ate bonbons. <laughs> but, uh, What's her um, soap? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was... That was the practical relationship that works because I was lucky enough to fall into the you know the magnetic poetry thing hit. Yeah, it was obvious that that was going to be our income source, and I was the magnetic poetry guy, and she wanted to be a mom, and she wanted to you know pay close attention to that that side of things, and so we we kind of fell into that traditional yeah. role, those traditional roles. Accidentally, well, not, yeah, sort of accidentally. Yeah. And do you feel it robbed either of you of anything? Not really. I mean, we were extremely lucky. I I had enough time with the business that I could spend quite a lot of time. Yeah. You know, uh, focused on the family. Yeah, it's poetry after all. Um, yeah. Aww, <laughs> right. sweet. Um, and uh, and she got enough time you know we had enough money at the time that we could hire we hired a house yeah. cleaner and stuff yeah, so yeah. there wasn't all the burden of all kinds of response and we had enough money that we could i mean we were extremely extremely lucky yeah that's so um, great and uh so yeah i've got a, a skewed perspective on on all this stuff but when i think about your your chess geeks complaining about feminists I think about baby feminists kind of or, or, or yeah or I, actually I think the gals that they're talking about would not identify as some as feminists at all I think that they're pretty um, you know oh. oh I think they would probably most almost all women do at this point but these would be younger younger gals I don't know that they yeah I don't know oh dear. Uh. I'm that oh dear that's all I can say yeah you know, I'm flashing back to when I was a new mom. And uh, I barely had six weeks with my kid before I was back at work. And I was taking my daughter to work. I was teaching at the Talmud Torah at that time, teaching drama. And Which I, Talmud Torah? The one in St. Paul, uh-huh. across from the water tower. Yeah, great. Across from I the love, water tower? Yeah, right on the end of um, Ford on Parkway. River Road? Ford yeah. Parkway, yeah. That's so I was school. Yeah, it's a great school, great experience. Amy Orkin got me that job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was bringing my kid in the, she was, you know, a 
five weeks old and I was bringing her to work in the car seat and bringing her into the classroom. And I was lucky enough where my mom would come with me and if she, if she needed to be settled, my mom would take her out in the hall. And then, you know, I was back at work earning, earning our living. Yeah, and uh, doing things like going up north on a six-week residency, and, but I was so lucky because my mom came with us. Sure. So I had support. I had that help. And, what and, about your baby daddy? And he was working on doing his life and being as involved as he could, and he was uh, struggling. Now, let me ask you a question that, I mean, I know we're on a podcast and all these people are still alive except for your mother. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so we have to be a little uh, respectful and circumspect. Rest in peace, Ginny. But I'm curious, without sending you into a rage, how is the analysis, <laughs> how is the Frabel analysis now compared to the felt Frabel at the time? Well, I'm, I'm certainly less full of rage. Yeah, but you were, it's fair to say you were rageful at the I, time. I, my point of view at the time was if you have an infant child and you don't have a job, you should be scrubbing floors at McDonald's rather than do nothing. No matter how badly you feel. And, and we were talking about this earlier about people who are struggling and I was talking about mothers who have scoliosis or migraines, yeah. or, but still manage to get something done and support their children and be with their children and yeah. you know that's just there's you can you can walk around in the dark and there's a million examples of that happening and that's an expectation that you just do it and then there's less of an expectation of fathers to get it together to help support that child. Yeah, so, I think so that's fair. It, it, it's just culturally true. Uh, yeah. I'm going to disagree with you from a place of total ignorance yeah. and uh, <laughs> privilege. Yeah, that, that, and that is certainly you're right. But in any case, now, from the point of view of 20 years later, I'm just so grateful for the whole experience. And, and my daughter's father contributed in ways that I couldn't see at the time. Right. Um, so it's not a, you know, it's not about columns and contributions in that way. I'm just so grateful to have had my kid and that she is who she is. And we all get along. Do you, do you, are you in touch with him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. When's we, the last time you talked to him? Maybe a year ago. I uh, mean, we huh. text. Because huh. he's, you know. He's we, here. He's here, and he's yeah. thriving, and he's actually dating oh, a mom with two kids. How that's often awesome. does he uh, talk to McKenna? Oh, I think they're in touch all the time. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I always encouraged that. That was always part of my um, agenda in terms of what I could control or not control. I always wanted to make sure that she had access to him. Well, let me ask you guys a question. What if we were to put on our imagineering hats? And, Ooh, let's do. I love and hats. And imagine, um, and maybe we have to do this from circumstance that we know, but imagine some kind of relationship uh, with kids, some kind of family unit that um, offered everyone choices and offered, you know, that sort of fulfilled all of our fantasies about what... Um, 
what life could be for men, women, and children, and all those in between. I mean, universal daycare and basic income. That's all you have to do, and then all of a sudden things are unravel, and people can make choices based on their human proclivities and preferences rather than their gender. Great. Um, let's get on it. Let's do this. I think you're you're spot on. Right. Because what because, she said. Yeah. Be, because <laughs> that's be, the name of our podcast. I let's be honest. What's interesting is you can get into all these sort of like philosophical conversations about gender and identity and so on and so forth and they all go away if you just provide health care right. and income that's right because then it doesn't matter everyone's sort of basic needs are covered that's right and uh and everybody can be who they want to be and we you know this is a it's a political choice and and it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold in it in the next several decades because I think we're moving that direction. To you. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all going to be you? in a re-education no. camps oh, you in don't the next think so? five years. No, we're moving in the opposite direction. Oh, this the, is the backlash. No, I think that the income inequality the is sa- safety nets have just been, uh, yeah, yeah. They've, they've been pulled out uh, yeah. strand by strand. That's where we are yes. now, though, yeah. but in terms of the thought going forward and how to construct things differently... And especially with climate disruption, I mean, you know, it's it's Australia is burning. And it was so interesting that I didn't know this or that I hadn't really realized this. But I was just in Los Angeles taking a workshop with Joan Shekels filmmaking labs. And this uh, the, the director who did Bunny New Girl, who I loved. I, um, my friend Frable told me about yeah, that. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> film. Um, it's one word I heard. Uh, sorry, yeah. did you say funny or bunny? I said bunny, like oh, the good. animal. Anyway, so she, girl. she was. She came to the workshop from Melbourne, from Australia. Melbourne. She was, she was talking about how it was burning. You know, it's terrible over there. And then she said, and remember, our atmosphere is such that all that air is coming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here. Here. So these... You know, climate barbar- barbarians who think that they can buy their safety out of this situation are going to be schooled pretty no, quick that we're in, all together. Uh, you know, air-filtered bunkers while the rest of us are screwed. I think that, uh, you know, you look at the hippies and how idealistic they were and then the terror that they wrought on our society once they came into power. And so I'm just, this is to say okay. nothing of the younger okay. generation. No, 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 hear me out. This is to say no slight against the younger generation who I'm mostly optimistic about, but um, I just, it's a people thing. And I've, I just am not confident that people in the long run are going to make the right choices. And I think we're all going to end up living in loincloths or re-education camps in the next 10 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> re-education camps. I like the loincloths. Yeah. But we might be in loincloths in the re-education oh. camps. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, it's kind of sexy. I'm not sure I want to be in that. <laughs> Going well. to camp. <laughs> Loincloth camp. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't this know. Sorry is, to now bring this, this comes down. down to another one of the, the topics that I wrote down, which is... Hopefulness. Oh, hope. So let me tell you <laughs> a little story. This was a couple years ago. My niece, Fiona, who uh, comes to stay with me, or when she was a kid, stayed with me for uh, some period of time during the summer. So did Liam, her brother. Anyway, she was here, and there was a concert uh, of two YouTubers, Dan and Phil, that she was really into that she wanted to go see. And I didn't know anything about Dan and Phil. 
these are a couple of young guys who have a, a, a YouTube channel. Sorry, not podcast, YouTube channel. And uh, she needed a custodian. Or custodian, what's the word <laughs> I'm know. looking for? A uh, uh, somebody to go with her, an adult. <laughs> a babysitter? Is that a chaperone? chaperone? Is that a chaperone, chaperone, thank chaperone. you. That's the word I'm looking a for. A robot. She needed a, ro- a chaperone. And so uh, I said, yeah, I'll go. And my sister sort of forewarned me. She was like, you know, this is all like kid stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. How old was Fiona at this point? Well, she was actually a little old for the Dan and Phil crowd. She was maybe oh. 17 at the time. Okay. And most of these gals were 14. Anyway, I was there was like a whole ton of moms, four dudes maybe, and this is at the Orpheum, you know, okay. a, thousand, a couple thousand, and then a sea of young girls, like maybe... 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. And the screaming was incredible. hilarious. And let me tell you, the joy that they expressed over these two fellas and the humor and the everything. Dan and Phil requested that nobody be on their phones. All the kids How put away their Dan phones. How old Dan and Phil? Dan and Phil are... Like I mean, 14-year-old boys? No, 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 no. They're, they're young adult, like young in their 20s. And were they know? from... England. England. Okay, yeah. so they had the accents. Yeah, they had the accents. And, and it's actually all pretty innocent. Uh, there was a little, like, you know, sex jokes, but they're all innocent sort of sex jokes. And... And the kids were just eating it up. Anyway, they knew all the songs. That their commitment to Dan and Phil as an audience and the unbridled joy that they evinced get, made me very hopeful about the younger generation and our future. Yeah, Eli's circle makes me hopeful also. Um, it feels to me like like such a loving and accepting and responsible you know like people railing against millennials I say, I'm like who are you do you know any of millennials yeah, yeah. no I, I'm not the, down with that I'm not down with any of that generational hooey yeah it's crazy my I, I think that I came from uh, that we yeah came from the worst generation well I'm generation, generation X I think we're, okay. we're different so, you guys are probably well I'm well, on the cusp hey boomer what is that? What no, is no, that? yeah, <laughs> okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Yeah. Some, so yeah. I've, I've seen where some people classify um, the end of the baby boom happening in, in 1962, which was the year I was born. Yeah. Some say 1964, yeah. years, which puts me st- still on the back end of it. But either way, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an on older, the cusp. And you're younger than me, Frabel, right? Yeah, so uh, I don't know. How old are you? I'm 56, so I'm yeah, 1963. I'm 57. But yeah. I had a weird introduction to life and that I hung out with hippies as a young child in the, the theater that I went to. So I was the only kid integrated into a, a theater filled with hippies. So I always identify. No, no. Before what, Children's Theater. Was it was called Orno Ensemble Theater. Oh, and it was a oh. very good theater in Maple Plain, Minnesota, run by three men. And they were all... Of the 60s, so that was what I was schooled in, that uh, love ethic. Yeah, yeah. Well, And you you come from a... I know, I'm from weird. (laughs) A long line. I was feral. We were a whole law. We were free range before free range. But I don't think that even your special circumstances don't exempt (laughs) one from the sort of generational demographics writ large. Not to say that they're that useful, but... You know, they are what they They're are. They're broad strokes, and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Because we are, I mean, my my generation was influenced by Watergate. So we see everything through the 
lens of uh, distrust yeah, of I, the government. I, think, I mean, I guess the question is, I, I think generationally I am a little more distinct uh, from you guys in the sense that, you know, I, I remember the 70s, but I grew up in the 80s. Um, and Watergate, for me, I don't, you know, I'm 52. I don't really remember. Right. Um, but you're a weird outlier, too, because of yeah, your child actorness. Sure, for sure. But I'm just saying in terms of, like, the large-scale yeah. stuff, yeah. I, I'm definitely a Gen Xer. I'm an older Gen Xer, but I yeah. definitely... Well, personally, I don't think that, that Watergate had... I mean, it I'm older happen. than you. I remember Watergate was happening when I was in elementary school. You know, so I the remember hearing landing? about it. Remember yeah, that? in 69. Was that 69? 68? Yeah, Something whatever. like that. Yeah, I mean, I barely remember those things. But the, but the larger forces, that I, I think that the things that, that really influence you throughout your life or as an adult are the things that happen when you're like 12 to 18 maybe, right. yeah. you know, like in that adolescent yeah. uh, uh, wheelhouse. And Formative years. The thing that was happening with me and all my friends and all that stuff was partying. Yeah. Everybody was, it, it was all about getting fucked up. Because that was the 70s, yeah. right? Yeah, everybody was getting fucked up. Yeah. And that was what my whole generation, that's still what my generation's, and, and the whole punk rock and wrecking shit and... and just being destructive, self-destructive, destructive. The, the romanticism of destru- self-destructive. Turning me destru- on, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, the you bad, bo- yeah. <laughs> just being bad, badass, bad people, bad. You know, like. Was it counter? Were you anti-government? What? 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 No, no, no. I'm talking about my whole generation. Yeah, that, and that, talking and about even the my generation. Yeah, the whole like the whole punk rock thing was was to me. You know, I missed all of it. It was gross. Uh, it was gross. I was into the Carpenters and and Dan Fogelberg John Denver. and yeah, and John Denver and and all that. And I, you know, lo- I, I felt I was a, a lover and a peaceful person. Oh. You know, and um, and I, I hated my generation. I, I still, I still, <laughs> I still hate them. <laughs> yeah, I, I still, yeah, I, I still do kind of hate them. I uh, or just that ethos of of destruction. Wreck shit. Yeah, wreck that's yourself. Not appealing to me. And that it, that seems but to th- me to be what our generation, my generation, is about. And Eli's generation, on the other hand, they're so. My, Eli hardly drinks. Yeah. I mean, and and I've never heard any of them, you know, uh, telling uh, glorious stories of getting fucked up, you know, or, or any of that kind of stuff. That's not. That's not cool. Yeah, I I agree. McKenna's friends, she, they're. Well, I, I I think social media helps. I think it has helped people reach across geographical space to find others who have the same ethics. Because my kid is so connected to a positivity in a building, but a very realistic sense of place as well. She's in Oakland. I mean... Moms for Housing in Oakland just had a huge win. It was this incredible arc of these moms. You know, housing in Oakland is terrible. There's no housing. There's tons of homelessness. Um, And the activism is very productive and very um, present because of social media. 
Moms for Housing. These moms took over an abandoned house. We're living there. Oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah, and then the sheriffs came in with a battering ram. But because of the amplification of the message, now they're buying that house. I don't know the details of it, but I've been watching the broad strokes of it on social media. And that's, you know, the kids now are seeing effective change happen. They're politically involved. They understand what's happening with the climate. They're place-based. And it gives me a ton of hope that they're finding each other and and they're politically engaged. Who's the young Swedish girl? Greta Greta Thunberg. 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 Right. I mean... Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We were going to do the whole broadcast in our accents. What happened? (laughs) What's your accent there, Dave? No, no, say your thing. You and your... I, I, what? I have such what? accent envy. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're uh, Southern. Oh, well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, well let me I tell like you... I like it. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll t- well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, I'll David, just, I do declare. <laughs> oh, David, you sound good. You are fanning my flames, good <laughs> sir. Fanning my flames. I need some sassafras tea <laughs> to cool off over here. We are going down to the river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another, Have ourselves okay, a picnic. another really good uh, short lordy. film. I'm not. I'm. I'm just on a short film. Jag, I guess. So You've always got good recommendations. I do. Um, Bone Shaker. Go to YouTube, see Bone Shaker. Now, Frable, let me yes. ask you this. Yeah. Are there any robots in Bone Shaker? <laughs> no, Pablo, define robot. <laughs> Time travel? Space. Now, see, the Def- play about the Palestinian yeah. that you saw, that does have a spaceship it in it. It does have it. So it I is. could go see that. Which, by the way, everybody go see Grey Rock. You'll listen to this and it'll be gone. But it was a great play. Yeah. I saw it last it night. It sounds good. It's I very good. It's very good. He's building a rocket ship. It's got a to, spaceship. To moon. Yeah. To so that, moon. that gets in. I could watch I a know, play like that. I know. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh, I feel hope, though. Yeah, for I the don't. moment. Do you? No, I'm not. Pablo, hopeful. you're just being. <laughs> no, I'm not being contrary. Don't feel hopeful. Well, this whole, the, Why? The, the well, I think humanity right is going to send itself off the cliff, and it might not happen in our lifetime. It might be a few hundred years, but I just got a bad feeling, and I'm not overly confident that we're going to pull it together. As far as climate change and all of it, you yeah, know, here's the weird thing about me is that that doesn't. I mean, that may be true, but it doesn't affect my sense of hope in the moment. I guess it's what you're hoping for. I'm not necessarily hoping for survival at all costs. I'm hoping for this moment of engagement and love and, you know, trying. I I don't care so much about the succeeding, I guess. Well, I hope, but I'm not optimistic, that the world that Eli and McKenna and Oliver come into is a kinder, gentler world. Hi, Sarah. a, A more loving world. A more Sarah world. Yes, Sarah is our (laughs) wonderful friend who works here. I don't know. I saw a a film clip of New York in the 1930s the other day. And and, uh, there was nothing particularly spectacular about it. It was just a street scene, and there were these women crossing the street, and there were cars. And, you know, you'd have to, if you sort of, like, blurred your vision, you wouldn't necessarily know if it was today or... You know, there's still cars, there's still streets, there's still people walking. 
And, and you sort of realize, like, well, they were just going through it, and the issues of their day were the issues of their day. And um, granted, they had, you know, different experiences, but they were people holy as we are people, just like yeah. people living in ancient Greece were holy people with all of the capacities and insecurities and so on and so forth. And uh, that will remain, obviously. And so in that sense, I guess we don't, the, the hope needle isn't going up or down on the hope scale, but... You know the big difference there? Birth control. I mean, we can talk about human beings are the same since ancient Greece. And I also am so grateful for plumbing. Oh, my God. I'm so well, grateful for I'm, I'm not for saying plumbing. things haven't changed. I'm just saying in terms of, like, um, the, the sort of felt sense of being a person crossing a street and... Um, you know, there's there's something that something about the human experience that, at least in terms of modern evolution, or evolution of this human species, hasn't changed. You know, there wasn't. It's not like we're having a richer, more sophisticated internal experience compared to someone living in ancient Greece. I would really argue that that's not true because I can tell you that my child, knowing that she doesn't have to bear children. Knowing she has control over her destiny, that she, that her body has, that we have options as women, that is a huge felt. Well, I think you're talking on a time scale different than I. I'm not talking about like when you have a moment to sit down and think about your future, or I'm talking about when you're crossing a street. Well, I'll t- I, I really feel like it's a different experience whether you're pregnant or not crossing the street. Well, I mean, it's yeah, a body experience. Maybe we can just, just say that we've, we all, as human beings, face <laughs> a suite, of, of, a rich suite of worries <laughs> and joys and stuff, and they, and they vary from age to age. I'm and, going and to we, say that Frabel is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Benjamin ben, Benjamin Franklin was never stuck in a. I thought you were going to tr- say Benjamin Button. <laughs> I was really hoping. Ben, Benjamin Button was never stuck in a traffic jam. Uh, maybe he was. Um, but, uh, I'm just saying that women um, are people. Whoa, whoa! I know. Newsflash! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I'll, I'll, you, I'll, I'll I'll walk that back. But don't you think that that through various ages, like for eons, human beings were hunter gatherers, and women occupied a different space uh, equality-wise than they did in the 19th century. They were maybe more, it was a more egalitarian. Yeah, didn't industrialization uh, wreck it for everybody? Agriculture. The agriculture wreck it for everybody. Revo- yeah, yeah, the agricultural revolution wrecked it for women especially. But, uh, you know, because women became property or had, had to become property because the property needed to pass down through family and and again Dave you're turning me on (laughs) Um, but you know yeah so every age has a different suite of problems but there but we're all you know in each age it would be be curious to know if we went back to hunter-gathering what how things would shake out like you get a little island you go back to hunter-gathering and you wait two or three generations see how things have changed (laughs) oh my god I I Let's don't want it. to be on that island. <laughs> I'm so excited I'm not on that island. I mean, we're talking about hope, right? Yeah, I would not be a good hunter well, or Well, yeah, and the, the thing that I was going to say, you know, so you, you name birth control as the big thing. To me, it's global climate change. Yes. I mean, with the, people have never faced... I, I, right. I don't know that anybody has ever faced this sort of threat ever in the history of humanity. 
Well, well that's dinosaurs. Or, or they, they they haven't faced this sort of threat with the knowledge that the Earth is round. I would get. I was fascinated by Pompeii as a child. Remember that National Geographic issue yeah, that with had the, the with the people, yeah, and the ash frozen and wha- in time. Yes, yes. So I would, you know, I mean, people constructed mythologies around their inability to understand why the sky went dark all of a sudden, or you know, whole cosmologies were built around that. So they might have felt similar in terms of, oh, the world is going to end, or though we're in grave danger. But we have the knowledge now of our, you know, discrete circumference the circle of our planet yeah this is new yeah speaking of hope are we talking about hope yeah i'm not saying there's not new things i just think that you know someone laughing now is no different than someone laughing in greece in the you know are you just talking in terms of like the diaphragm moving and the air going in and out or maybe a little more uh a little above a little higher than bodily functions, but you know things were funny then. Things are funny now. You cross the street. You, you're not. We're not more sophisticated mechanisms than we have ever been. Do you think they had all the same sexual positions? Oh. They probably had a few more actually <laughs> because the phones weren't getting in the way. I mean, specifics count. It's like, are you talking about polygamous societies? Are you talking about... What I want to see is early <laughs> Grecian furry porn. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh, It was etched on vases. You'd see Thecaticus in his bear outfit. <laughs> Misinterpreted by archaeologists to be a worship of the bear god. But in fact, furry yeah, play. So much I don't know. Oh. I've been going to the museums with my friend Lee, who is 96 years old. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, just having a great time. Stephanie and I just went to the Russian Art <gasps> Museum. How was it? That's Beautiful. our next. We're going to hit that next week. Well, you know, the Chagall exhibit will still be up. <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. I'm I so was, excited I, I about that. that. And yeah. then there's also Ben Sean. Who's that? Ben Sean. Well, I, oh, I had to look him up. I only know Ben Sean from a line in... Um, Annie Hall, where uh, um, Alvy Singer is uh, talking to, I think it's Carol Kane's character, and mm. he's like, "Oh, let me, t- like, let me guess. Your dad was a blah 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 Ben Sean paintings hanging in the Ben Sean drawings hanging in the living room. He's trying, you know, he's sort of stereotyping her as this left wing. Is he the, uh, like the cartoonist guy, Ben Sean? Yeah, yeah, he is yeah. a he is a cartoonist, and um, and. Uh, and she says, oh, great, I love being reduced to a stereotype or whatever. But <laughs> I remembered the name, and then I was like, wait a second, and it's that dude. Who's, I guess he was, you know, a, a popular leftist sort of artist in that yeah, yeah, era. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I go, I, that museum is, I don't know, half a mile from my house. Right. Less. And uh, uh, so I go there quite often. And um, that place, I have to be, I have to mentally prepare myself for that really? place. because. Why? Because it is always so freaking dark. Russian culture oh, yeah. is so dark. And it tastes like borscht. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, it, 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 I, yeah there's a, just a cloud of, uh, well, of, Stephanie of gray. Stephanie and I had a... gray. We yeah. had a great date. We went there. We looked... Actually, neither of us were in a great mood before, but we'd... we'd um, you know, like when you're in a couple, you have to like pick things to do, and like you got to do them, or you just end up, you know, 
sort of uh, staying at home and doing the usual things. And, we, you know, we wanted to commit to getting out and doing something. We have a list of things. Ooh. That's on our list. I want to hear this list. So we're like, well, it's not a huge list, but, you know, uh, we got that on the list. So we're like, okay, let's do it. And we go ahead and we go to the museum. We have a great time. And then Stephanie is inspired and she's like, let's go to Moscow on the Hill for dinner. The Russian fun. restaurant over in she St. Likes Paul. Theme. Yeah, so we did that. We had nice. a really fun Russian day. That sounds great. Da. Da. Uh, I actually went there on a date with a, uh, on a Tinder date. Moscow on the Hill? <clears throat> no, to oh, the, the Russian, Russian museum. museum. Ooh. And both of us walked out just dour. Oh, really? I love <laughs> that space, man. It's, yeah, I don't know. It, you know, so it used to be a church. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a Spanish revival architecture church, which is a weird juxtaposition to totally. the whole Russian thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just walking in, I, I always get the feeling that it's a church. You know, it, ha- it feels like a church to yeah, me. Yeah, it's got that layout for sure. Yeah, and um, so that that always puts a kind of a weird pause. The gift on shop it is very me. bright. Oh, here. yeah, I love the gift shop. The, the gift, gift shop. shop is I, in fact, I almost yeah. felt like I had to escape from the gallery yeah. into the gift shop. And then the gift shop is, ha- is very happy. Yeah. And, and some of the books in there with some of the photographs of like old Siberian culture and mm. so yeah. things like that are, are amazing. I guess if but, the museum was larger, I would. I would feel more like what you're talking about, but because it's not that large, I feel like I can get out easily. And well, oh, speaking of Russian, before yeah. I, I got a recommendation. Yeah, I'm reading the Russian gentleman. Oh. You heard of this book? No, have not. What's it about? Spaceship. <laughs> a Russian gentleman. <laughs> Robots. It's, uh, it's about um, the Ru- Russian Revolution um, around 1920 to 1930. What um, is? When is the movie Reds? Is that that same? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great yeah. movie. I love that movie. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. I love this book. This book is beautiful. Do you feel like when you um, encounter something that, as you say, it's dark, you went into the Russian Museum and had this feeling that you join it or counter it? Because I can sometimes well, feel kind I, of... So, I, I, let me say this about Russian. So, I uh, um, I fell in love with a Russian girl. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, here we go. Here Here's we the, go. Here we go. I fell in love with I a Russian girl. With Her name you know what? I fell in love with a Russian girl. Her name was Masha. Ah, uh, uh, yes. And uh, and I studied Russian because uh, I was in love. So that was my that was my language. when was this pre Joyce? Uh, yes, and it and, and it was just about the same time as so Masha uh, was not in love with me, but we're very close friends. That's so and Russian of you. So, yeah, and and of her. Yes, we had the craziest relationship. Um, Masha and yeah, so I met Masha and Ina, uh, her Ukrainian friend actually. Um, in the smoking section of the of Wilson Library. Oh my <laughs> God! The smoking, smoking that is yeah. a Wilson picture. Library. Yeah, can you believe that that <laughs> that is amazing? Existed, yeah. Wow. It was so smoky in there. They had they had just huge bowls of cigarette oh, butts. Oh just my see God, that's smell. hilarious. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was it was amazing. But uh, uh, Masha and Ina were these beautiful Russian girls, and. Um, and I, I was in love with both of them, and they, and they were, and we were a triumvirate. I mean, we were the, the three musketeers. We studied together all the time. We used to actually sleep together, but like cuddle style. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We would all spoon up together, sure, naked. I mean, it was the craziest. Oh, craziest buck naked. Thing. Really? Okay, wait a minute. What yeah, year? No what, sex. What year was this? No um, this was. Uh, it must have been eighty six, maybe. David, are yeah. you sure? 
there was no sex. Yes. I, <laughs> I mean, God, maybe yes. not between you and them, but were they? <laughs> was something going on? No, 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 going no, on? no. They were, they were both dating other guys, and we so were... So yeah. what season of the year was this? Uh, well, I mean, it went on for a couple of years. Okay. Um, yeah, and we were, we were very close friends. Um, and, and I'm still friends naked. with, with still Dina. Yeah, I don't even, I, I I don't mean, even like to be with myself it was naked. Weird. So <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, I, I think back and I think, was I dreaming? But I, were you okay. dreaming? Were you drinking? Were you? Yes, yeah, so we were definitely drinking because okay. uh, the Russians. That, that explains that was a lot. Thing. So <laughs> that's one thing about the Russians is a big bottle of vodka always yeah. comes with any gathering. And so it was vodka and pickles. <laughs> and we just do a shot of vodka, eat a pickle, shot vodka pickles. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy and get so messed up. Well, that's um. why there was no sex. You fell in bed naked. Yeah. And also why there was nudity. That's yeah, you don't yeah. wet your clothes. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. So th- this is not the this is not the focus of my comment. Oh. What I was going to say is that I <laughs> so I hung out with all these Russian people, and um, it's a dull, it's a dark culture. It's a dark it's a, a dour. Serious, call, you know, the, like you I think know, about that the the, uh, that move, the Coen Brothers movie, a serious man, you know, yeah. like the Russia Russian culture is a serious culture. It can be, and there's so much, yeah. you know, like when it, you go to Berlin, there's a, uh, you know, so Berlin was taken over by the Russians after World War II, and they've got huge memorials to the Russians that that uh, everything is uh, the messaging is this is how many. Millions and millions of Russians. The Russians got completely decimated in yeah. in World War Two. They got they they got the worst of it, of it out of World War Two and every other war. I mean, the, the, that Russian people, the Russian people have been cannon fodder for oh. yeah for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> Just wiped. That'll out. lead you to drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a sad and it it continues to be a a sad situation there. Well, we knew, first of all, my, I'm part Russian. My grandpa was born in Russia, and uh, they were immigrants here. What and part of Russia? Russia's huge. Uh, from a town called Zvanspetolsk, which I'm not sure is there anymore. It's below Moscow. Okay. Um, and then my grandma's family is from Lithuania, which I think at the time was part of the Soviet Union or became part of the Soviet Union, and now it's not. Yeah. Anyway, and also these are all you know Russian Jews, and so... In the neighborhood I grew up in, um, there were a lot of Russian Jewish families that were being sponsored, like by my cousin and by the Jewish Community Center. And so I had a lot of Russian friends growing up. And I wouldn't say, I mean, I know what you're getting at in terms of saying it's a dark culture. They do have a sense of humor. It's a very. Oh, yeah. And it's a dark very, sense of humor. Yes, it is a very dark <laughs> sense of humor. But I remember um, my friend Yana's dad. Uh, Vlad and he furry guy artist had been in the army and always wore these bright red shorts like went around topless and bright red shorts and uh, he was an intimidating figure and I'd, I'd always you know say hi to him and he'd be like he wouldn't sometimes he wouldn't say hello back or he had not and I remember I said hi to him once and I must have already said hi to him that day and he goes <laughs> Why you say hi to me twice? <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I just saw you, uh, you know, this morning. So it's like, uh, why you say hi? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Poor little Pablo. I'm being friendly. <laughs> he was a nice guy, actually. I mean, he never, you know, did anything impolite or, un- you know, it just different, different dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Her mom was super sweet. 
I was um, in uh, the Lower Depths by Maxim Gorky. You know that Russian play about tenement life. I, of course, I know it. It's it's very <laughs> oh, I, um, you know like it's uh, very dark. I've read it's the very, comic. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it, you know it has robots. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but um, when I was doing theater in my youth, Bane Belky did a show where we did it. Bane Belky, yes. We did it in the basement of an abandoned warehouse, which now Cafe 112 is in. It was called Mm. the Savoy, but it was an empty warehouse, and we did it in the basement. And I AD'd, and we had bats. But every night, I had to make borscht so that the audience would come in and smell. And it already smelled horribly of wet cement and dust. (coughs) And it it was one of those... Sensorial, ex- yeah. yeah, it was a sensorial experience. So sometimes I think, oh, I was in Russia. <laughs> I <laughs> Nothing I like there. more with my borscht than wet cement. <laughs> <laughs> so my father was in college with Bain Belke and okay. Carlos Wuzbels, as Carlos was my mother. And, the Lithuanian, uh, he's six foot eight. Yeah, six foot eight, tall guy. Beautiful lighting designer, exquisite. And an alcoholic. Artist. Well, Serious alcoholic. Anyway, uh, actually, of vodka. good segue and circle back. Any Anytime my dad said the name Bane Belke, anytime his name came up, he would always say, Bane Belke, and really <laughs> pop it out. <laughs> One time uh, when my dad was back in town, we went and hung out with Carlos Wuzwals. Now, I knew Carlos from the theater because right. both Frable and I were at Children's Theater. Carlos was a lighting designer, and I think he was actually at the Guthrie for a while. Um, I don't remember. Anyway, the point is, we went out, and my dad got drunk with this guy, and I didn't know him. With Carlos? Well, yeah. And uh, Could your and dad <coughs> drink with Carlos? My I mean, dad was Carlos. a serious oh, really? drinker. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, when... Carlos could drink. Yeah, my dad was drinking two bottles of wine and a bottle of scotch a day okay. for years. Years. Oh, I mean, he had an alcohol wow. problem, obviously. But, and then he quit cold turkey. Um, Later in life, Whoa. but uh, that'll kill you sometimes. Well, actually, the colon cancer killed him. Oh. <laughs> so that's one way to do it. Is you know, anyway, Carlos and I got into this conversation. I was maybe fifteen at the time, and I was talking about the need for um, you know finding work and getting a job and sort of. I think I was thinking about coming into my adulthood. <laughs> and the responsibilities that uh, I was going to have about having to earn a living and how it yeah. was going to be really important to, you know, get an education, to make a living, and so on and so forth. And Carl was like, uh, uh, he was like, uh, that's all bullshit. <laughs> uh, Carlos was like, that's all bullshit, and um, it's just friends. All you need is friends. And, of course, he was saying this in a drunken stupor, so it was, and he's a big guy, so it was loud, a loud and powerful conversation. Hmm. Huh. All you need is friends. All you need is friends. I like that. Yeah. I liked it too. Maybe that's maybe that's how we should end this podcast. Because that is a hopeful <laughs> note. It is a hopeful huh. note. All and we, need we is are friends. friends. And uh, to tie it, can we tie it in, into also uh, the fun dad concept? Yes, the fun dad and the gender and um, feminism and all that. Let's all be friends. Yeah. Aw, oh, guys. <laughs> What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. All you, you need what? is friends. 
you and your fancy friends can come around here anytime. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It's been nice having a conversation with you, gentlemen. Oh, as always, as always, Mrs. Frabel. <laughs> what, what, what was that? <laughs> Not sure where you're going with that. All right. I'll see you. I love you. Bye. I love you. Yeah.